This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. There are so many choices when it comes to selecting the right financial institution. Start with the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. We're right here in your city. We're also the official credit union of Temple University, and anyone who lives, works, worships, and studies in Philadelphia can open an account with convenient locations throughout our city of brotherly love. Also online at pfcu.com with free online and mobile banking. We're not here for our profit, here for yours. Federally insured by NCUA. Free speech lives here. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT HD, WOGL HD3, Philadelphia, a radio.com station. Now, it's good news in real estate. If you're a homeowner, if you're selling a home, or perhaps purchasing a home or vacation property, welcome to our home. It's good news in real estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Your hosts for the next radio hour, the mortgage mom, Deanne Kitsaris, along with real estate veteran and owner operator of the Philadelphia Real Estate Classes, Mark Cumberland. Your real estate education starts right now. It's good news in real estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. All right, good afternoon. Get ready to laugh and learn here on Good News in Real Estate. You're on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm Mark Cumberland, along with my co-host, the mortgage mom, Deanne Katsaris. How are you, Deanne? I am fabulous, Mark. How are you? I am very good, and we are not early in the morning. We're very excited to be here now at Saturday at 1 p.m. when the sun is bright and shiny. <laughs> I'm going to have to get used to not being up early on Sunday. There you, you go. Ask, I know. If you want to ask us a question, give us a call about residential, commercial, mortgages. My number is 267-266-5501. What's your number, Deanne? My number is 609-605-7153. And we'll be here every Saturday to answer your questions, keep you informed on the market, and help with, with real estate in any way we can help you. So you can listen to this show and past shows at our website, goodnewsinrealestate.com, and also at WPHT. So what's coming up today, Deanne? Coming up on today's show, Mark, we have the market report. I got one for you. We have business tips with Asking Dr. A. Yes, we have Mark's funny story. Got one for you. We have a great mortgage mom topic, which is... What? The four C's of credit. Uh-oh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> Mark, we also have our question and answer segment. And the first question is, do I pay a realtor fee for showing me some houses? Go on. The, the next question is, my parents owned, I want to sell. What's the, the first thing that I should do? Next question is, can I force a sale? Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> the next question is, do tastefully placed family pictures help or hinder the way my house looks? <laughs> <laughs> Depends on who, never mind. Um, I would like to sell just one acre. Can I? Good one. Mark, our topic of the day is, is your renovation actually worth it? Yes. All right, but first, give us your motivational quote. And the motivational quote is, success is the good fortune that comes from aspiration, desperation, perspiration, and mostly <laughs> inspiration. I love it. So you got I love all it. four of those things going. There's always going to be some desperation, but the rest of it's all good news. So, All right, so where are we at now, Dan? 
Mark, we are up to the market report. And there is the bell. All right. So there's all kinds of rumors out there, but the market is in great shape. There's three reasons we are definitely not in a housing bubble, and we're not going to be in a housing bubble. How, home values appreciated by by 10% in 2020. In fact, more houses were sold in 2020 than in 2019, which a lot of people don't believe. The forecast that we're going to appreciate 5% or above in the upcoming year is probably correct. And there's people voicing concerns that we're going to be in another housing puzzle bubble like we experienced back in a decade ago, back in 07 and 08 and all that. That is not going to happen. And there's a couple reasons why. Number one, this time, housing supply is extremely limited, which we talk about every week. There's every no show. There's no inventory anywhere, you know, except maybe Florida where they're building them like crazy. So with that inventory, prices are going to keep going up and prices where back then price prices decreased. If the supply is low, demand's high, prices naturally increase. So the real estate supply and demand measured in months of inventories, which based on the number of current homes for sale and the number of buyers in the market, you know, is a normal market six is six months. We're at one point nine nine in Philadelphia Metro. Tell me about it. So we are in a great seller's market and prices are just going to appreciate. Between 2006 and 2008, back in the doom and gloom days, the month supply inventory increased 5 to 11 months. And that's why houses were sitting on the market over 7 months, 27 of those 36 months values. You know, it was like that was the worst market in history. But even in the worst market in history, only 5.1% of the country was in foreclosure. Not what you think. If you would have listened to the news, you would have thought half of the country is in foreclosure. Only right, five, everyone five, was losing their home. 5.1%. Right. So now we're at a histor- historic low of 1.9 supply. Remember that. Number two, uh, this time housing demand is real. During the housing boom in the mid-2000s in the very beginning, remember that? It was that we were in a seller's market. There was unfounded market optimism, but there was a lot of other things that went on with the bond market and how they were selling insurance and everything else. And we got caught up in a frenzy and they bought houses based on unrealistic beliefs that housing values would continue to escalate and they didn't. And then the mortgage industry got into craziness, making bundling mortgages. If you ever watched Too Big to Fail, you'll remember that whole story. And and we're not in that situation again. So, you know, the current real estate market demand is real. It's not fabricated. Plus, you got the millennials, the largest generation in the country, have come of age to marry, have children, which are two major drivers in home ownership. The health crisis is also challenging in a little bit of a way, but coupled with historically low rates, purchasing a home today, strong, sound financial decision. Therefore, the demand is real. And three, this time, households have plenty of equity. Back then, they didn't. A lot of people during the old housing boom, it wasn't purchasers who got caught up in a frenzy. Existing homeowners started using their homes like ATM machines 
And That's I think, right. and I, I did it too. A lot of people did it, and we we spent a lot of that, that equity. There was a wave of cash out refinances, uh, and they were able to leverage their equity from two thousand five through two thousand seven. Americans pulled out eight hundred and twenty four billion dollars in equity. That's billion. Billions. That it's, that's that's because they were all going on trips and buying stuff and doing stuff, and then the prices began to drop, drop, and the homeowners found themselves in negative equity situations, but and the mortgage rates were higher, and many defaulted on their payments, which led to the avalanche, and then the insurance companies went down that insured, and the whole thing was dominoes. Today the yeah, banks. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, even even if they didn't go into foreclosure when they had to sell, they were bringing some big bucks to settlement. Yeah, or they were breaking even, if if at best. Today, right. the banks and the American people have shown they learned a valuable lesson from the housing crisis a little over a decade ago. Cash, cash out refinance volume over the last three years was less than a third of what it was compared during the three years up to the crash. So... 38% of occupied house, housing units in the United States are free and clear of a mortgage. Now, remember last year week I told you how many houses there were in the United States? How many? Uh, I, I, it was a ridiculous number. 370 uh, th million. 370 million, yeah. 38% of them have no mortgage. So you combine that 38% that are home free, clear of mortgage... 18.7% of all the homes have at least 50% equity. Uh, we realize that 56.7% of all the homes in the countries have a minimum of 50% equity. That's a great, a great economy. And so the bottom line is housing is, supplies historic low. Demand is real, highly motivated. So there's not going to be big prices and dro drops in prices and there's going to be nothing like 2008. So we are all positive all the time. So tell me about Thanks. the rates. Right. And the rates are still positive, Mark. I mean, your 30-year fixed, you're looking anywhere from 2.875 to 3%. Is it up a little that from last week? Absolutely. But we're still talking 3%, not 4, not 4.5. Not 18. Your FHA... <laughs> Right, your your FHA is two point eight seven five to three percent. It's still a great time to buy. It's still a great time to refinance. That little bit of a jump is not going to make a huge difference. It's a better time to sell. So if you ever thought about moving, this is the time you're going to get a top dollar. So things are good. So with that, you're listening to Good News from Real Estate here on Talk Radio twelve ten WPHT. All positive. All the time on Saturday at one o'clock. We'll be right back. On behalf of the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, we hope you're enjoying Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland. The Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more after the break and this message from Debt Free Living. Learn more at wehatedebt.com. All right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive, all the time. So where are we at, Dan? Mark, we are up to our funny story. And I got one for you, a little different. Everybody's talking about these stimulus bills that 
going eventually they're going to do it i guess but they've been talking about it since what december well anyway here's how a stimulus package really works so picture this it's a slow day in a small town in a pa town pennsylvania town and the streets are deserted times are tough everybody's in debt everybody's living on credit and this rich tourist he's visiting the air and he drives through the town he stops at the motel walks up to the counter puts a hundred dollar bill on the desk and he says he wants to inspect the room upstairs before he selects one for the night so the girl goes sure so as he walks upstairs the motel owner grabs the hundred dollar bill run next door pays the hundred dollars to pay off his debt to the butcher the butcher takes a hundred hours he runs down the street to retire his debt to the pig farmer the pig farmer takes the hundred dollar he heads off to pay his bill to the supplier at the farmer co-op the guy at the farmer co-op takes the hundred bill runs to pay his debt to the local prostitute who has also been facing hard times and had to offer some of her services on credit the prostitute rushes to the hell hotel to pay off her room debt with the hotel owner the hotel owner proprietor places the hundred dollars back on the counter so when a traveler comes down he will not suspect anything at that moment the traveler comes down the stairs states that the rooms are not satisfactory picks up the hundred bucks and leaves down no one produced anything nobody earned anything however the whole town is now out of debt and looks to the future with a lot more optimism and that's how a stimulus package works that was perfect timing i love it if you have a funny story send it to 8029 at comcast.net or give us a call at 267-266-5501 and now it is time for the mortgage mom segment with the Ann cat saris from green tree mortgage and her topic is the four c's of credit so tell me about this so it's the four c's of credit for a mortgage i thought this would be a very interesting topic by the way So this is a list of financial spring cleaning tips that focuses on the four areas of consideration when you're applying for a home loan application. So the first one is credit. You want to clean up your credit report and you can get a free credit report from at least one bureau to make sure that all the information is accurate. And you can also go to annualcreditreport.com. You should be able to pull a credit report from there as well. If you find any errors, you're going to want to contact the Bureau for more information and take the steps to remove those errors from your credit report. All right. You want to raise your credit score. You can learn your FICO score from the same way um, and research ways to improve it. So holding your uh, credit card balances to a responsible level or pay as you go, which means make sure that those balances are at least 30% of what, whatever the, the, um, your limit is. You want to make sure the limit and the balance is at least 30%. You All want right. to pay off or reduce open accounts with outstanding balances. Do not close them. You want All to right. continue to, be, to borrow and pay responsibly. And you want to build a strong credit history. If you want to finance a house, we need to see a proven record of borrowing responsibility. So if you're a young person without a significant record, then you want to consider opening accounts within your means. You can rent an apartment, finance a car, open a charge card, um, et cetera. The ways of doing that by building your strong credit history, you can also add yourself on to mom or dad's or cousin, brother's, aunt's 
credit card as an authorized user. And then getting a secured card is also a big advantage to that as well. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a big thing either, like like a Best Buy card where you buy something and you're paying 40 bucks a month, but you're paying consistently, correct? Right, right. Finger Hut's a good one, believe it or not, because getting approved for that is a little bit easier. The next C is capacity. So your debt to income ratio. It's a big consideration for a home loan is when the borrower is DTI, and again, that's your debt to income ratio, your gross monthly income must land within a certain ratio to your monthly debts, and that's including the expected mortgage payment. So the higher the DTI, the less you can borrow and the less you're likely to get approved. And that also will determine which kind of loan will best meet your needs. You also want to reduce your burden. So contact lenders, you really just need to call me, to see if they would reduce monthly payments. (laughs) And you're going to seek a lower interest rate on your charge cards simply by calling the creditors and asking. So, Mark, in some of those situations, if you have established credit and you're not able to pay down your credit cards, you can ask for them to increase the credit limit. So let's say you have a $500 limit on your credit card and your balance is $400. It's possible that you could call that creditor as long as you have a good standing and you've made your payments on time, you could ask them to increase that limit to $1,000. So now you're only 50%. Right, right? a little bit under 50 and maybe by making a $100 payment, you're gonna get under that 30%. Right, I see. You also wanna look into federal programs that can help reduce any of that college or federal debt that you've incurred. Now, even with that debt, that's more gonna be for your budget because whatever student loans you have on your credit report, we're going to use 1% of that loan to qualify you. You also wanna leverage technology. And you know, this is one of the biggest things that you should start off first. You need to follow a detailed budget. You want to build a detailed, realistic budget so you can understand and plan what your monthly spending is going to be. Download an app that helps you track what your monthly spending is and track your bills because you you have to add in there. You're going to now have an electric bill. You're going to have a water bill. You might have a cable bill now. So all of those things come into play. Right. You also want to organize your documents. Collect your bank statements, all records of assets that you might have with a particular focus on those needed in the actual home loan process. You want to put them in an orderly way in a secured place and send them so that you can get pre-approved. You're also going to review your investment portfolio so you can examine and adjust your asset mix so that you it brings in the maximum sum, some amount. You can also ask a financial advisor to suggest changes for adding more assets to your portfolio. So you want to review your overall strategy, meet your objectives with your retirement accounts, 401s, things like that. The last C is going to be your collateral, and that's your pre-approval. This service gives you an indication of how much money you should be able to borrow based on all your personal finances. Being proved... Being pre-approved gives you a strong idea of the house price that you can afford. They are also giving you the strength to go out and know that you're going to get approved 
for that mortgage. The only thing you need to do then is find a house, have your home inspection, and get the house appraised. Yeah, because now you know how much you can shop, what shopping range you're in, what price range, and how much you think it's going to cost me monthly based with adding the taxes. Correct. Correct. The two big questions that every buyer has. Right. So if you have any questions in reference to this, I'll be happy to answer them. You just need to give me a call at 609-605-7153. And Mark, coming up I, next is going to be our question and answer segment. And remind me, I have a question for you. Okay. All right. That was a good segment. That was very good. It was a great segment. All right. So with that, you are listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive all the time. We'll be right back. Deanne and Mark are halfway through this week's edition of Good News in Real Estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. When the show returns, more real estate news from around the Delaware Valley. All right, welcome back to Good News from Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive all the time. At our new slot, Saturdays at 1 p.m. I like this slot. So, where are we at, Deanne? Well, we could be on the beach doing the show on Saturdays That's, in the summer, that is right? That's true. <laughs> Just need a long wire. We'll go on the boardwalk. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're all up right. to our question and answer segment. And the first question is, do I pay a realtor a fee for showing me houses? Now, it could possibly happen. I mean, you could hire somebody just to show you houses, but that's not usually how it works. Usually, this most of the time, I, there's no absolute. Generally, generally, the seller pays commission and you get the buyer agent, if you sign a contract with that agent, he represents you, you get him for free. Now, some of them do charge some kind of little fee, a couple hundred bucks for making, keeping the files and everything else and ordering stuff for you and all, some kind of broker service fee. But so, there are occasions where somebody just wants to hire an agent to show them the house. And then maybe they have a lawyer or somebody else that they want to do the contract. But the majority of the time, the agent, the buying agent, as long as he signs a contract with those buyers, you basically get them for a few hundred bucks that you pay at settlement. And, you know, they always say you're working for free, but they're not working for free. Nobody works for free. But there are weird occasions that you could hire somebody just to show you something. What's the next one? The next question is, my parents owned, I want to sell. What is the first thing I should do? Well, I would hire a real estate agent, have them come, take a look at the house. Uh, they have an objective eye. Take a walk through, take a look at everything. Possibly even get a home inspection and have everything checked out just to make sure that, you know, you put it on the market, then you find out it needs a roof or it needs a heater or something major uh, for a few hundred bucks, it might be worth it. Uh, and then you hire an agent and put it on the market. But rather than just like uh, hire somebody and put a sign on it or do what it would be even a worse move for a for sale by owner, because in the end you'll net more if you hire an agent 
uh, I would think about some of them things before, and then make sure the estate, all that legal stuff is taken care of. That's exactly what I was going to say. You want to make yeah, sure that you do a short search on the property through a title company to yeah. make sure that there's no liens or judgments, everything's paid, um, because your parents owned it and now you want to sell. You just want to make sure that there's no issues. Yeah. Now that, well, if the parents are alive, you don't have to worry about it. But if the parents are passed, whatever, it's in the state. Sure, it was probated and everything's in 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 line. What's Correct. the next one? The next question is: Can I force a sale? See, this is not a lot of information in this question, but <laughs> I I think they might have gotten put in an offer in, and somebody might accept it and then change their mind. And if that's the case, it's according to how the contract's written. If, you know, every, when you sign a legal contract that's supposed to be, I always, when I train agents, I always tell them, whatever you're doing, write it as you're standing in front of your honor. Because it's going to have to be explained. And on both sides, buyer side and seller side. So if the seller, you know, was going to sell their house and then got cold feet, like somebody I know, and then, uh, <laughs> and then they didn't have a, a legitimate reason to get out of the sale. The buyer can force the sale to go forward, uh, and you know it, you could end up in court. So can it happen? Yes, it can happen. So. That's Good about answer, what I Mark. Can say. That was a short, <laughs> you know, five five question, five word question. That's a lot of information there. Man. All right, good. A couple pieces missing out of there. Yeah. Do I tasteful do tastefully placed family pictures help or hinder? If they're all good luck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, pictures of the dogs uh, no, always go actually, well. Actually, they give advice that when you're listing your property, uh, dog pictures, but maybe, you know, a whole wall full of kids and grandkids and cousins, you know, you want these people to come in and take a look at this house and visualize it as theirs. So if you got all your family pictures all over this place, plus, you know, you're going to have to take them down anyway. So take them down and patch up all the little holes <laughs> and, and make it look like, you know, they can visualize it as theirs because sometimes people go crazy and it's like i have one wall in my house i don't think you could squeeze another picture on that wall it's already got it like <laughs> it's piled in there i mean you'd have to stand there for a good 20 minutes to look at everything that's how many pictures there are you know what so would be I, a great idea what is if you knew who's coming to see the house go on the facebook print out their picture and hang With their, their picture on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome I, I home. I think I get suspicious. I mean, like, what are these people up to? <laughs> Welcome but anyway, home. But one of the rules of thumbs are you want to make it look like so they can visualize it as theirs. So having all your stuff all over the place, unclutter it, make it, make it warm and fuzzy. What's the next one? <laughs> Which you know a lot about. I am warm and fuzzy. Of course you are. I would like to sell just one acre. Can I? It all depends. Now, this depends how your ground is, the township you're in. Uh, will the township let you subdivide? 
Some will, some won't. Uh, you would have to go to your local township. They'll pull out the plot maps. You see how your, your ground is. Like, say, you there's I know of one that not too far from me that this guy always wanted to sell, but it's the way it slopes down toward the creek. You can't build on it, so the township won't give an okay. Uh, but he would just love to buy this. He can visualize, he can squeeze a house in there, but the township says no. So you got to do a little research and find out, you know, if it's buildable and if it's subdividable. It might not be a subdividable. So a lot's going to depend on your local township. You got to do some due diligence. And that's the big the big part of it, too, is making sure everything's in order before you decide to sell, before you decide to buy. I mean, there's situations that come up all the time where people just haven't done their due diligence on the property and, and you run into situations. Yeah, and they buy, and they buy stuff and, they're, and now they're stuck with it. Yep. You know? All right, so. Mark, coming up next is going to be our topic of the day. And the topic is, is your renovation actually worth it? Yeah, very good. All right, so with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, all positive, all the time. We'll be right back. Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland is proudly being provided by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more in a moment, but first, a message from one of our home team partners, Green Tree Mortgage. How much do you qualify for? Ask Deanne now at MortgageMom.net. Welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive all the time. So where are we at, Deanne? We are up to our topic of the day, and our topic is, is your renovation actually worth it? And this is something that, you know, when people are going to sell, sometimes they don't ask professionals or any advice, and they just go do things and think it's going to all come back to them. And and you really got to consider what uh, what renovations to do there's one question that's probably at the top of the list how much should i spend the answer is it depends if you plan to stay in your own for five years or more and invest what you can afford and look for the upgrades you want and you're planning to sell take a different approach focus on getting back the maximum return on your investment u.s homeowners spend more than 400 billion a year on renovations and repairs according to uh, a report in 2020 by the national association of realtors if you're remodeling for resale they always suggest first have a home inspection and be proactive find issues you know don't just go spending money without a plan uh, some you know you hire a home inspector and you tell them listen it's not I'm not selling I just want somebody to go through the house and make sure I don't have any serious problems before I go maybe upgrading something so you know with that kind of money and you're going to spend some money here and now what we talked about in the market report how much of the country sitting on equity that's where people usually do this they do an equity line of credit or a home equity loan or something like this and and they do a rehab so. Now, one of the main ones is the kitchen. People sell, you always hear people buy because the kitchen's a bath. It's, yeah, it's usually the center of the home where, you know, most of the time where you congregate. People want to be in a relaxed space. They congregate there. 
You want a good feeling, good environment. Average kitchen remodel will pay off more than a high-end renovation. Uh, you know, than adding something. Kitchen remodels, homeowners recoup like 58.6% of what they spend on a on on redoing a kitchen. Uh, your ROI, your return on investment. A kitchen remodel, you could spend you could spend whatever you want. I mean, you could spend 150 grand on a kitchen if you want it. It's just according to how crazy you go. Materials you look like, a huge difference in how quickly you want your home to sell. You know, sometimes simple things make a big deal. Like cabinets, faucets that were outdated. Maybe even countertops. Sometimes painting and just some upgrading will do a lot of stuff to up your value a little bit. Like quartz countertops uh, give you a good ORI. Because they don't date themselves quickly. Backsplashes, ceramic, porcelain, tiles, preferred over stone or quartz. You know, all these are decisions. But you want to be careful. Like, splurging on just some high-end faucet can make a difference when somebody <laughs> comes walking in and looks at your kitchen, you know? You got that fancy one. But the bottom line, if you're, if you're smart... You can recoup 44 to 77% of what you spend, depending on the size of the project. Bathrooms, that's the number two, right? Thinking of replacing the tool, tub, traditional shower. You don't want to take a bath with your investment. Large bathroom projects. <laughs> no pun intended, yeah. right? Large bathroom projects, and they can be labor-intensive, upgrades. You know, you get into plumbing, all that kind of stuff. Master bath projects costing, you know... 4500 bucks had 90% more countertop upgrades, 70% more tile than projects costing less. In some cases, it was less expensive to add a new bath than remodel the one, the current one you had. You know, like they, right. you know, sometimes it's easier to rip out and start over than nickel and dime yourself to death. So, you got to take a look at that, but bathrooms are important. Pay attention to particular features. People go wide-eyed over. You know, going are the days of the small shower and tubs with the jet stream. Now it's the, the luxury jet stream, streamlined designs, the wide shower, the body sprays. All the, the music yeah. and the colors. You get the spa-like <laughs> experience in your home. I just don't have the patience for that. I'm in and out in five minutes, man. Oh no! Now, like I got a bathtub upstairs. I don't. I've never taken a bath in. <laughs> we have a jacuzzi, hot, like one of those jacuzzi big tubs. We've had it. What? I've been in my house for twenty six years. I'm going to say maybe five times we yeah. were in it. Yeah, Terry had one on the deck one time. I never was in it once. <laughs> well, that's different. Hot tub outside is different. Yeah. Adding ad, uh, now additions. Adding a new master suite. You won't sleep, sleep easy knowing it costs like 150 grand and only 50% of it you get back. So you got to be careful. Be strategic about your expansions. Um, they, there was one person that finished an addition, added a second story. Now that could really bring in some extra money. My neighbor across the street had a cape and put a second floor on it. And he, his price, he, I think he made it all back because now he had two more bedrooms. So... Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, and it ended up with 89% like returning investment. So, and that's attracted to the baby boomers who didn't want to climb stairs as often or whatever. Uh, 
And then the refinished basement. Transforming unused space into livable space is one way to maximize your home's footprint. Now, if it's below grade, it's not going to really help you on the appraisal. But don't expect a high return when you sell it. But when buyers come in and they go through your house and then they walk down to a, like my basement, uh, the convent has a giant basement. It's my, I had a bar that was 70 by 16, you know. In the convent, you had a bar. 70 by 16, yeah. I had a wedding on Christmas Day in my house in the bar. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's a giant basement. with, uh, And I have 10-foot ceilings. So, like, you turn that into a decent space, and then somebody, they take a tour of the whole house, and then they walk into this giant room, you know, you know where big flat-screen TVs and all. Now, the problem with it is you might have fun with it, but when you appraise, the appraiser comes, anything below ground level, they don't count, which is a problem. And I, I think they should tweak that. They should tweak that law a little bit. But because remember my friend Lou that had that eight hundred thousand dollar house, and downstairs he had the movie theater, he had the gym, a pool table room. But and it went out to a patio, glass sliding doors, but it was below grade. The way it, the hill sloped down, and the appraisers didn't take that into consideration, and that didn't make Lou happy. <laughs> <laughs> and that well, Lou was the one that was going to burn the curtains because he didn't like the buyers. There was like, <laughs> like Lou was tough. <laughs> he was a tough. But anyway, you got to be careful because certain things. Aren't, you're not going to get a big return on a basement that's below ground. Like it'll maybe get you a good buyer. And then the living room, upgrading, expanding a living room, knocking down interior walls. You got to be careful. You know, you want you want to have a good plan so it's marketable. You know, beautifying the outdoor space might do more to your home than almost any other project. New siding. If your house looks really good, and then the old decks. Everybody wants a deck. You know, and sometimes people just throw new wood <laughs> on on the old deck and don't think about, you know, the other stuff's been, on, been holding up this deck for like 30 years, you know, and now they got new planks on top of an old deck. So, but outdoor living is booming. So, you know. That's some advice. Well, because we've been locked in the house for a year, yeah. so of course. Well, we can spend a lot more time, but you want to be careful and have a plan because not everything, and your last one is your front yard. When the people pull up, first impressions are a big thing. You know, lawn care, replacing garage doors, simple things you can do. Cutting back the shrubs, maybe cutting the grass, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> planting shrubs. You know, you can you can do a lot of that with minimal costs. So curb appeal is will make you back 95, 94.5% of the cost of whatever you do. Like if you put a new garage door, you'll make almost 100% back. You'll get that money back. Pools and other stuff. The roof, of course. The roof, of course. If you need a roof, start there. So... Get somebody, All right, that was a great topic, Get Mark. somebody to take a look at your house before you go spending too much money if you want to make it all back. All right, Mark, so we all are right. up to our segment with Dr. A, and he is here to talk about the void of leadership. Hey, doctor, how are you? 
I'm doing fine down here in frozen uh, Texas. Texas, frozen <laughs> Texas. It's unbelievable. They're like freaking out in Texas over this stuff. But so well, tell us the about energy. this. It's not. It's not the the cold, but it's the energy. Anyhow, yeah. let's let's talk about this because we yeah. this has been an issue, uh, you know, on the national level, on the local level. The problem is politics and leadership does not match. Does not does not mix well. Uh, so so and, and so let's talk about what's happening with the vaccine and the lack of leadership. So let me let me just start off by talking about what what's in between a leader and a manager. OK, a, a manager typically gets stuff done. Right. The leader typically decides what that stuff is that's supposed to get done. So you can have people to do both. OK, they, they can be both effective as a, as a leader uh, because they're they're visionary. Uh, they make good decisions, more good decisions than poor decisions. There's no leader in the world who's ever made all the right decisions. Even Moses hit the uh, hit the rock instead of talking to it and asking for, you know, for manna from heaven. So That's right. so it's it's important to realize that there is this huge, this huge difference. Now, what what we're actually seeing, I believe, and let's talk about it from a political standpoint, is we're seeing politics trumping not even good leadership, but actually good management. And what people are doing is they're managing for self-serving gains instead of the gain of the greater good, which is what leaders do. I mean, just leaders, leaders have a vision. Think about what a leader does. Yeah, a leader. I always thought leadership has a big picture and a manager puts out fires. That's the way I always looked at it. Well, Steve Covey has this imagery that he paints where where there's there's a jungle and there's somebody that's cutting the path in the jungle and then there's somebody who's up in a tree, okay? Uh, and the idea is the person that, who's cutting the path in the jungle is not the leader, they're the manager because they're managing getting it done, okay? Right. It's the person who's up in the tree who actually sees in the future and can guide the person who is the manager so that they stay in a straight line. How I expand that is that an effective leader is going to have not just one manager, but they might have seven or eight or ten managers uh, who are teaching people behind them how to do what they're doing. And you have this one leader who's up in the tree that's helping these six or eight or ten managers move in the same direction. That's okay? right. Now, Lever- what leveraging. happens when you get – yes, yes. Everybody's leveraging you know, their time. And let, let's talk about the manager with this one metaphor – is, is how I paint it is the manager is really the third person in line. The first person in line is the guy or gal who's doing the work. The second person in line is in training, okay? And the manager is whispering and pointing out to the second person in line what is going on and the techniques are being used. And, and then what happens is when the first person gets tired, they go to the back of the line. The person who's in training then steps up to the front of the line. And then the person behind the, 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 the manager steps up in front of the manager and is training. So, so what you're doing is you're leveraging that manager because a manager is always there and able to do the training. That's correct. But what we're, the the okay. going through that right now. <laughs> yep. Well, we all do. We all go through all that. And it's, it's called being a manager, being a leader. I mean, what is a leader? A, a leader leverages people. Okay, and the people leverage money. The people leverage technology. The people leverage uh, different techniques and things of that nature. But what's happening is the leader is the one who's leveraging the managers and leveraging everything. And that's why you don't have to have a title of being a leader. You can be an emergent leader because other people respect you because you treat them with respect. 
you make more right decisions than wrong decisions, and things get done effectively and appropriately, not just politically. Yeah, that's a good leader. So, doctor, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. It's really easy. It's Abelson, A-B-E-L-S-O-N, at A-B-E-L-S-O-N dot net. And until the end of February, we're still offering a free uh, assessment to anybody who contacts us. So so email me directly, and we'll get you a free assessment on for yourself. All right, very Sounds good, great. Doctor. Thanks, Dr. Ray. Thanks, guys. All right, if you Take have care. any questions... If you have any questions, you can email them to Mark at 8029 at Comcast.net or give them a call at 267-266-5501. You can also email me at Deanne Katsaris at Comcast.net or give me a call at 609-605-7153. A special thanks to all the listeners for tuning in every Sunday. And Dr. Ray from calling in from Friesen, Texas. And you can listen to this show and past shows on our website and everything. And we want to thank our sponsors for keeping us on the air for 11 years. So with that, have a great and warm week. Hopefully not like Texas. I'm Mark Cumberland. I'm Deanne Katsaris, your mortgage mom. You've been listening to Good News and Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All positive. All positive. All the time. Thanks for listening to Good News in Real Estate, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.